everybody to the wild, wild west A state that's untouchable like Elliot Ness The track hits your eardrum like a slug to your chest Like a vest for your Jimmy in the city of sex We in that sunshine state where the bomb ass him be The state where you never find a dance floor empty And pimps be on a mission for them greens Lean, mean, money making machines serving fiends I've been in the game for ten years making rap Welcome to the Bucket Drop Podcast, episode 40, and if you grew up with my friends, you'll be saying the same thing, I can't believe I made it to 40. Yeah, I've just been having a great time with the podcast, I can't believe I did make it to 40. A few times I've had people bail on me, or simply I was too busy, so uh, I'm uh, really happy that I've uh, done so many episodes, met some great friends, I'm glad to say that I've got some friends in the States, in uh, New York City, Dominic Mazzella, I'd like to give you a shout out, I know that uh, went through a little bit of a rough time lately, he lost one of his friends, so my prayers go out to you my friend, and uh, yeah, Joe Lazito out there in uh, in Long Island, and uh, you know, great episode with Joe last week, if you uh, didn't tune in, we went with the top 10 enforcers for the New York for the New York Islanders and uh, very interesting talking to Joe, you know, uh, just talking about uh, some of these guys that bled uh, blue and orange, you know, that just loved playing for the Islanders. Uh, so uh, I've been going to check out some fight tapes on uh, on those guys. Yeah, I didn't realize that. I guess I should have known um, that the, uh, you know, the Islanders and the Rangers was uh, such a strong rivalry because uh, Joe was talking about uh, some fights uh, between those teams and uh, just saying how, uh, you know, sometimes uh, you feel like the, the little brother uh, as an Islanders fan because, uh, you know, the Rangers is uh, such a, a big organization. Um, so I would like to have Dominic on actually for the top 10 enforcers for the New York Rangers. That'd be really cool. And obviously an original six. So um, that'd be fun to have him on for that. So Dominic, if you're listening, yeah, I haven't talked to you in a while, but hope you're doing well, my friend. As far as uh, my podcast, it is a little bit, not an official Montreal Canadiens podcast, but I'm a Habs fan. So I always throw in a little bit of Habs talk when I can. We've signed Alexander Romanov to an entry deal contract. I say we as if I'm part of the team. And uh, Mark Bergevin, if you're listening to me, I know you've been uh, trigger happy a few times. I know that you're not listening to me because it's just my grandma and a few other listeners. But please do not trade this guy. Obviously, uh, we traded Sergachev because he wasn't a good player, right? And uh, before that, Bob Gainey traded McDonough because he wasn't a good player, right? I don't know why this keeps happening, but I'm not one of these biased fans you know uh, everything is uh, sunshine and rainbows uh, we've made some big blunders in the past uh, just go back all the way to Patrick Roy right one of the worst trades in history but yeah um, because uh, if you don't remember who we traded McDonough for I'll give you a second to think Scotty G Scotty Gomez pussy that did nothing when uh, Pacioretty got decapitated by uh, Chara back in the day I'm not going to go into the debate whether that was clean or not that's too long ago I'd like to give a shout out to uh, my sponsors. So, uh, bonfireshades.ca. Don't go to the beach without these. So polarized and super UV. If you get laid, don't forget to thank me. Cheaper than Ray-Ban and Oakley. See, that was actually a freestyle. So that wasn't too bad. Pretty proud of myself. But you can see there was uh, some stuttering or some delay there. Right? Um, but yeah, guys, like I feel like I should have a disclaimer at the end. You know, like if you have a boner for 24 hours after wearing bonfire shades, please contact your doctor. Please do not sue Buck Drop Podcast because uh, it just seems like everybody's suing each other nowadays, right? 
but no, don't worry, you won't get a boner for 24 hours unless, you know, you're with super uh, models. And uh, in that case, definitely uh, send me a message on Twitter, maybe even with a picture. Definitely go check out bonfireshades.ca and uh, use promo code BELAK, capital B-E-L-A-K, uh, at checkout and you're going to get 10% off and you're going to save and uh, oh yeah sorry you're, so it's 10% off and uh, $5 goes to men's mental health so a uh, great cause there too also Rurban Brewery microbrewery in Cornwall if you're not drinking Rurban and you live in Cornwall you're a putz they didn't say that I'm saying that they have a terrific product for every palate and uh, I just saw on their website that they have a lime ale um, anyways it looks delicious it looks very refreshing so go check out Rubin. um andy and his wife karen are, are awesome so go on the patio table and uh, have a beer say bucket drop brought you there i'll give a shout out to my usual suspects right now darren at fourth line voice uh, i was listening to his episode yesterday a great episode with a, a player that um unfortunately got in a, he's he's doing well but he got in a uh car accident uh motorcycle accident back in the day darren was saying it on his on his episode in the intro that you can go donate all the money goes towards his uh, rehabilitation um and that is less borsheim i believe i'm saying that correctly so go check out his latest episode it says some good stories about uh fighting steve mack definitely a great listen uh my other guys that i gotta mention is uh joseph lazero over at coliseum chronicle so uh, these guys are all on Twitter, so go check them out on Twitter. And uh, yeah, while you're on Twitter, check me out too at the Bucket Drop. You'll uh, get all the newest information. Um, you know the the latest podcast, my stupid posts. Yeah, Twitter's awesome. It's like kind of like Facebook without the drama. I know there is some drama on there, but it's not as uh, telling you when they're going to the washroom and stuff like that. Yeah, go on Twitter, guys. Just create yourself a little profile and uh, follow me at the Bucket Drop. Follow. Uh, fourth line voice at fourth line voice and uh, you can follow coliseum chronicles joseph's podcast it's always about the new york islanders and their uh, minor league associates um, and the guys that drop the gloves for the blue and orange so uh, great listen there joe's a pro and uh, so is darren and uh, last but not least five for fighting so um, alec olin salen and i'm going to be giving them a shout tonight um, I'd like to have him back on for the top 10 Florida Panthers enforcers. So I guess I, I shouldn't mention it without asking him, but yeah, hopefully I can have him back on because, uh, yeah, there's a rivalry there, right? I like the rivalries and that's what's missing in today's game. So, uh, check out his podcast and uh, check out his, uh, enforcer appreciation page on uh, Facebook. I, I guess my, my last little thing that I like to do, uh, before, going into the podcast it's like my stress reliever i don't have to go see a psychiatrist so uh you might be a loser if you go to the tim hortons drive-thru with a list i've mentioned this before you might be a loser i just wish sometimes that the tim hortons would have basically if if you go to the drive-thru it's only for coffee because it's a coffee shop at the end of the day right um but now they have all kinds of wraps and everything else but Go inside the store, please, if you're uh, asking little Timmy in the back, okay, what are you having, Timmy? And, you know, you're ordering for your whole family because, you know, people are trying to get to work. I know I sound crabby and like an old man, right? I did say I can't believe I, I made it to 40 because I am on the wrong side of 30. What else? What else? What else? What can I think of? If you don't wear a mask right now during this whole pandemic, you might be a loser. I know you might not believe in it or whatever, but just think about the people that you might be affecting, the people that you might come in contact with, the elderly, uh, people with asthma. Just wear a mask, guys. Everybody be safe.
if you buy scratch tickets when there's a long lineup inside a corner store, hoping that you pick the right bingo card, or you're like looking for the, the fourth one and you have your your little superstitions, you might be a loser. First of all, you're a bigger degenerate than I am because at least when I bet on sports, I have somewhat control of what I'm betting on. Long shot, Louie, you're not, you're not uh, thinking straight. If you're in a relationship and you say you don't watch porn, you're just a fucking liar. You're not a loser. Akuna Matata, you definitely go on porn once in a while. So uh, you might be not a loser, a liar. I caught you. Doesn't make you a bad person. And uh, yeah, and if you swear, if you're a person that swears, that doesn't make you a bad person. You can be a good person that swears. I, oh yeah, sorry. My, my last one, I only do three usually, but if you are Will Smith, you are a fucking pussy. Jesus, I can't believe that you played Ali. You played Ali. If you haven't watched the Will Smith interview uh, with his wife, I think it's for her podcast, Jada Pinkett, or I don't know what her name is. I'm not a big celebrity guy, but that was like, she like, I don't know if I'm using the correct term, like metaphorically, like, or figuratively, like cuckolded him on live TV. Basically was like, almost laughing in his face about um having a extramarital affair while uh they were on a separation and you looked at will smith and he looked like he was about to cry i just don't know why would you air out your dirty laundry like that i don't know if it was for publicity for sure it got good reading so maybe that's why he did it but geez man I don't know. It just goes to show you what the COVID has done for celebrities. And just, I don't know if you haven't watched the Madonna video where she's saying that it's the great equalizer. And she's saying that we're all the same. Um, Meanwhile, she has a guy playing piano uh, while she's taking her bathtub. And she's trying to look like she's 20 years old. Um, Definitely the celebrities are are lacking attention and they'll basically do anything to just be relevant again. So I'm not a big Will Smith fan. I used to like Fresh Prince. I think that's the best acting that he's done where he was actually funny. I thought that MIB uh, movies were super corny. Um, I guess good graphics, but, um, but today I have a great guest. I have Alan Sirwa, ECHL hall of famer. You know, you might think, you know, uh, oh, well, you know, he was, great but uh he wasn't that great because he you know he didn't make the nhl do you know how hard it is to make the echl and just and let alone be an all-star in the echl so he was inducted into the hall of fame in i think it was 2016 which was 10 years after his playing career and he played against some very very good players you'll men- you'll listen to the podcast and today we're just doing the top 10 enforcers but you'll men- he'll mention some guys that were in the show and uh, he played in the AHL as well and he potted some points in the AHL uh, just an all-around great guy and uh, obviously a great hockey player if he played in the ECHL and he made a career at it uh, you know and uh, that's how he met his wife lucky guy lives in uh, South Carolina now so pretty freaking cool man and uh, I always like having Alan on I definitely want to have him on again uh, to talk about his coaching because now he's coaching for the University of South Carolina I won't give everything away but he was on the podcast earlier where uh, we talked about his career and uh he's a great follow on twitter as well it's at budman i think because he works for uh, amheiser bush how cool is that right you live in south carolina and you work for a beer company and you're coaching a university hockey team that's the life that's living the dream to me and uh apparently a pretty good golfer too so guys keep following us fuck i'm not good today i'm not i don't have the flow i don't have the flow so my hats guys go buy a bucket drop hat 
They're sick, okay? They have, like, the mesh in the back. They're black, and they have the orange logo. My favorite hat is when the Gong Show hats came out. I'm not a big fan of Gong Show because it's just, like, everybody wears them. But they had, like, the laces, and it was orange. It was the Philadelphia Flyers color. So even before doing uh, the podcast, I had thought about just coming out with a hat. Just a hat that I could wear, you know, because I love those colors, the black and orange. Even though I'm not a Philly fan, those are like my favorite jerseys. And I find it looks badass, the Broad Street Bullies. So, uh, yeah, the hats are black with an orange logo on it. They say bucket drops or you're supporting the old school hockey, the rivalries, the old time hockey with the fights, with the big hits, with the Tuckers, with the... Colton Orr with all those guys and uh, at the same time all the profits I don't put any in my pocket like I said I just wanted a cool hat to wear all the profits go directly to the Children's Treatment Center in Cornwall that helps the victims of child abuse and uh, definitely a good cause Uh, these these kids have went through hell and uh, they need counseling and uh, you know they just need support definitely buy a hat and uh, the way to buy a hat because I never mention it because I'm a complete idiot sometimes. But follow me on Twitter at the bucket drop, capital T B D. Or if you want to just email me, Bobby Longgrass at gmail.com. So Bobby, like you're a Bobby, and uh, Longgrass is L O N G R A S S at gmail.com. A nickname that one of my buddies gave me a long time ago. Yeah, he always used to sing that song, Babylon, like um, Ramble On from uh, Led Zeppelin. Good chops, eh? Man, that's, that's going to be embarrassing when I, when I have to re-listen to that. So, guys, I'll see you on the other side with Alan Sirwa. Buy a fucking hat. Bye. My guest today played 696 games in the ECHL and also potted some points in the AHL. He participated in a pair of ECHL All-Star games and even took home the MVP in one of those back in 2002. Welcome for a second time around to the Bucket Drop Podcast, Alan Sirwa. Thanks a lot for joining us. Thank you for having me. And uh, today we'll we'll be discussing your top 10 list for ECHL enforcers during the time that you played because uh, the enforcer was still uh, prominent in that era. So between 1996 and 2007. And, uh, but before getting into that, I'd just like to speak to you about your career a little more. One thing I should have been aware of last time I interviewed you, I guess I didn't do my homework, is you were inducted into the ECHL Hall of Fame, which is uh, quite an honor. So can you tell me a bit about that? Yeah, that was, uh, that was a big surprise to me, but it uh, gets you to be humble a little bit. It was, it, was a, it was a great ceremony. It was in a Kilimanjaro, Michigan in, uh, in February in uh, 2016, and uh, I was able to bring my wife and my, my daughter there. Uh, my family weren't able to be there, but uh, come to find out, they had a little trick up their sleeve. My sister made a video with my mom and my, uh, my, my other sister, 
and which was sent to them. Uh, I didn't know all any of this. And when they introduced me up front to go uh, to go to my speech and all, that video came up on um, before I even started talking. That video came up, and uh, it was uh, it got quite emotional there for a little bit. Kind of threw me off of my uh, <laughs> my uh, my speech I had I had written down. Uh, but it ended up being just a great thing. Uh, I was I was quite surprised to get it, but uh, so happy for uh, to, to to do get it. So. Yeah, and uh, who all showed up to that ceremony? There weren't that many players there, other than the ones that were getting inducted. Okay. Um, there were mostly a lot, tons of referees, um, uh, a bunch of people from management, uh, uh, Mr. Kelly, the East Coast Hockey League. The guys have been around for a long, long time with the East Coast Hockey League. Uh, they were obviously all present and their families. And um, I forgot how many people were there because I was so nervous about my speech. So I was kind of just in my bubble, try to get ready to uh, to talk up front. And then I got that curveball sent at me with that video. Yeah, I know, that, that's pretty cool that you got that video. And uh, were you, like, was your uh, your English pretty uh, good at that point? Yeah, it was, it was, uh, it was good enough. Okay, great. <laughs> uh, yeah, because, uh, you know, I started speaking English when I got to U.S. when I was 21 or so. I'm 45. So, you know, you go back, you go back four or five years. So I was, uh, uh, you know, my wife is from the U.S. and, um at that time yeah i was i was fine i was just you know spotlight on you kind of a you know kind of a big deal and and i was i was a little nervous about it but it turned out to be uh pretty good i was told anyway so it was better than your first uh, few uh, hockey interviews oh yeah yeah my my first first one in louisiana back in um that had to be 96 um i happened to score a hat trick in in uh in uh, towards the end of the year and i've never done an interview in english before and uh because i did that they you know they brought me along for the um the interview with the media and oh it was it, it was rough um <laughs> uh, i got through it um but some of the question had to be uh, i got lucky enough that i had a guy from ontario there uh bj johnson he uh he knew enough french to be able to uh maybe help uh help me a little bit translate where uh the questions were coming in so fast and and you know it's in louisiana so there's a little bit of an accent southern accent as well and um but i got through it okay <laughs> Yeah, right on. No, I and I've never been inducted into any kind of Hall of Fame, but I uh, I've had to be a best man at four different weddings, so uh, I uh, I felt the nerves a, a few times. So. No, that that's as bad I would think. If not yeah. worse, because <laughs> you got to be funny in those ones. So that's right. That's right. <laughs> now, now uh, you suited up for uh, five different teams, correct? Yes. And uh, you met your wife in South Carolina, but did you have a favorite location, or was that your favorite location? Yeah, I would say just because I spend most of the time there. Um, you know, I love the fans, love the people there. It was, you know, I was the easiest um, guy to sign after each season. Yeah. I didn't even have an agent. I just did my own thing. I went to see, at that time, it was Jack Capuano, which yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, Jack's just an awesome guy and, 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 and fair. Uh, you know, even though he's got a job to do, he was, he was fair. You know, we, we talk about the, the previous season. I say, listen, here's what I did. Here's how good I did. And it's just what I, I think I deserve. And really, he didn't. It didn't. It wouldn't take long. It take a, a sit down or two, and that was that was. You know, I would sign back. We had a lot of fans. Um, obviously, my wife was from there, so it was it was a pretty easy sell. Yeah, right on. You were no stranger to the rough stuff, racking up a respectable uh, number of pims. Uh, is there one guy in particular that you had a, a good rivalry with? Oh yeah, we. Uh, you know, because back then, um, back in uh, East Coast Hockey League, we had thirty three teams, and but it just in South Carolina there was four. Okay, and that's a small state, so. We played all of them 12 times each. So that's 36 games right there. We played 72 games during a season. So half of our games played in state. Um, so obviously the Sockland Stingrays were our biggest rival. 
But then came along the Columbia Inferno. They had Dennis Vial on defense, which me and him had a, a lot of battles. Um, okay. And then Greenville Growl. Greenville Growl had a team that would kind of change quite a bit. Um, they had a guy named name Charles Paquette, uh, a French guy, which I knew back from Sherbrooke back in the days. So strong. Um, and a, a guy named Bell, which was really, really tough as well. Uh, but South Carolina is mostly where, you know, I had a lot of fights with um, Johnson, uh, Trevor Johnson on defense. I fought him twice. Uh, Brett Marietti, um, Brent Henley, which you'll see on my list here is a guy who's about four, six, five with, you know, the six foot arms seems like. Um, yeah, we had a tons of battles with them. Mark Tardif played for that team. Uh, also ended up playing in a Quebec league and a senior league later on. Yeah. Uh, yeah, they were they were they were a good bunch of guys, good, tough. But so did we we had our, our same group as well. Because back then they kept they kept those older guys a lot longer mm -hmm. um, with good contracts. Most of them <clears throat> lived in town. Had a, even some of them had a business in town. Mary Eddie and and all those guys are still actually living there. Okay. Uh, Mary own fence company and uh, does very very well. I've actually ended up meeting him in a in a in a men's league tournament later on and played with him. And uh, just a great guy, but um, it's funny how it is when you just hated him and want to fight him, and and, and and you know later on you go, man, this guy's a pretty good guy. Yeah, <laughs> mentioned on my own podcast a few times, um, just like some funny anecdotes from fights. Um, you know, like uh, I mentioned one time I was fighting a guy in Watertown, and he busted me up pretty good. This is, I guess, common occurrence in hockey. But like we got back to the penalty box, you know, and he said, uh, you know, good fight, buddy. And I, I thought it was pretty funny because my uh, my penalty box looked like a murder scene, but do you have any uh, pretty funny anecdotes? From <laughs> I, did, I did get beat up pretty bad one time in Charlotte. And um, uh, my only comment to him after was uh, I took it like a man. I never went down, but I was, I was bloody from all over the place. It was, I'm trying to remember the guy's name. He was a first rounder in NHL. Um, tall defenseman. I can't think of his name now, but anyway, I was, I was trying to protect my, uh, I brought his name up before. Danny Bousquet was my sentiment. He was always in all kind of trouble. He's a tough scorer. So I was always kind of in there, you know, kind of defending him a little bit. Yeah. And that, that happened too. And um, that, that was my, he kind of just looked at me like, what? Like, yeah. you know, as he knew, he, you know, he punched me about 17 times in the face. And I was like, man, I took you like a man. I never went down. Yeah. <laughs> that tough kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, along those same lines, uh, I was going to ask you about fan interactions again. Uh, like myself, uh, from one of those fights when I, I got my clock cleaned a little bit, one of the guys from behind the bench was uh, – Cornwall was notorious for that, just chirping the players, and uh, he was chirping me. And I, turned, I took off my helmet. He found out I was from the, the same hometown as him, so he, he shut up pretty fast. But uh, do you have any funny uh, fan interactions? Yeah. Um, this one was uh, – this was towards the end of my career. Uh, I've gained a few pounds by then. Um, so we're playing – we used to play Augusta Lynx quite a bit. And then I ended up going to uh, – after my first year in the SPHL, I joined the Texas Wildcatters for the playoffs. Mm -hmm. and we ended up playing in Augusta. We had, we had to play like five games during the season before playoffs. Okay. And we played in Augusta for one. And um, there was this big fat guy behind the, the bench that would always scream at me nonstop. Well, for some reason, I guess he figured I was on that team and he remembered. So this is national anthem. I'm starting the game, and it's quiet as it can be, right? He's just waiting for the song, and he just gets up, and you, I could see him get up. I go, oh my god, he's gonna do it. Sir, why too fat? 
too slow, too old. And just the whole band started cracking up. And I was like, oh, my God, I can't believe he's still around. <laughs> probably the biggest one I've, I've ever had before. Um, <laughs> that was that's, a good one. That, that's a pretty good, pretty, pretty good story. But he did that during the anthem? Oh, yeah. J j well, just before. You know, there's a pause between. Oh, yes, yes. They say, people, please stand up, remove your hat. <laughs> oh, my God. And always a pause because, you know, most of these ranks sometimes have trouble with, you know, music or whatever. Yeah. Um, yeah, he, he just got up and just started screaming. And, and my whole team, because, you know, my, my whole team at the time, I just met those guys. I mean, yeah. I, literally, I, was, I was 31, I believe. You know, I could have been the dad of some of them, seems like. We were, yeah. we were so young. And they were like, oh, my God, they started laughing and stuff. That was, um, it, it was pretty funny. Was that in the, the Southern uh, League? Or? No, that was, the, uh, that was the East Coast Hockey League. Yeah, there's a guy, last name is Cam. I forgot his first name now, coach down there. He, uh, he, he remember coaching against me in Columbia. And then when he got a hold of that team, um, he, he needed us just a little bit of just kind of extra experience, I guess you would say, for the playoffs and all. Yeah. And because really, you know, that team was stacked. I mean, I was, I was on third and fourth line. Uh, you know, I was there to just, you know, hit the body a little bit. Maybe I can get a few goals, that kind of stuff. But, you know, playing smart and just try, try to win the, the championship. I think we had a team for it. Um, we didn't. Uh, we lost the second round, but it was actually a great experience down there. Um, the, the, my last, last game in East Coast Hockey League was with that team against Florida game six in okay. Florida, and we lost in OT to lose the series. was probably the most physical uh, game I've ever played in my entire life. That was – and that was for both sides. It, it was – I mean, I, I walked out – I was almost a freaking – I can I could barely walk after the game. It was it was it was that physical. It was it was crazy. I was a big guy. I mean, I was two thirty. Yeah. Uh, everybody was hitting everybody nonstop. That that was that was just a great series. Another thing that happens when you're competing at a high level. Um, I've seen it with the Montreal Canadiens before. Uh, but did you ever see anybody go at it during practice? Yes. Um. I've I've been involved in that before. We uh. Okay, so back then the situation was we, we were losing, I think, four or five in a row, something like that. And usually the coach is trying to, you know, do something different in practice to kind of get you guys going a little bit. And um, we had a coach named Davis Payne at the time, and he did like a three-on-three -three in one zone only, side, side to side. Yeah. And he was just screaming at us to start hitting people and, you know, kind of, kind of, kind of play hard type thing. And, our goalie got all mad, and he actually, our goalie tried to slash me because I guess I slashed one of his friends on the team or something, and I ended up turning around, going back, and fighting the goalie. <laughs> but we uh, we talked about it after, and everything was good, and come to find out, we won our next game. Oh, well, there you go. Sometimes you just need that little spark, eh? That's right. That's right. Actually, on that same note, because uh, you know you're saying your coaches is your coaches yelling at you and stuff. Uh, you're a coach now, as I mentioned for. Uh, South Carolina, uh, University of South Carolina. Did you have a favorite coach or uh, some favorite coaches along the way? Uh, probably Jack. Um, Jack, Jack Capuano. He was uh, the GM. Most of the times I was in Florence. Yeah. But um, he coached for a couple of years. And, you know, he, he, he just knew which but, uh, button to, pu to push. Mm -hmm. And with me, I think it's a tap on the back helps me a lot more than yelling. Okay. And, um, but, but, again, you know, I, I really like Davis. Um, I learned a lot from Pierre Maguire. That was my rookie year. Okay, right on. My second year, I had Dave Schultz, which, you know, not very good. Um, yeah, you were mentioning that, yeah. Bruce, Bruce Cassidy with uh, Jacksonville was also a really good coach. I mean, okay. it seems like a little bit from everybody. Um, Pierre was very intense. Uh, Jack was more laid back. Um, 
and Jack wasn't big with X and O's. He was mostly such a motivator. Um, yeah. You wanted to play for him. I mean, you, you wanted to give it all for that guy. Uh, you didn't have to have much of an X and O uh, strategy there to um, to get through games. And I mean, that's the year that we um, 1999. That's when we uh, won the Bram Cup. We beat the record for most wins in a year, most wins at home. We had a bunch of broke a bunch of records that year. So that was probably my top guy was probably Jack. Do you have any uh, funny Pierre Maguire stories? He he knew I could speak I couldn't I couldn't speak English and he wanted uh, he wanted me to learn. Okay. And he figures the best way the best way to learn is uh, to put you on the spot. So he would uh, here's one thing he would do. So he w- he wanted you to learn all the stats in the league, all the other teams, the top ten score, top goalie, all that stuff. He wants you to know this at all times because you could you could get quiz at all at any time. Okay. So he was always trying to quiz me in front of everybody, and I just I mean you know you, when you, when you don't really know what he's saying. It's it's pretty. It's not. I wouldn't say embarrassing, but it's 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 tough. Yeah. But he put me in tough situation like this to answer this quiz. But one of his famous because we didn't have a good season at all. We didn't have a good team. One of his famous thing he would do as well was uh, <clears throat> get you to go practice after a game if you lost. So we lost uh, eight nothing to the Stingrays one game, and I remember that like it was yesterday. Walked in the locker room, all the practice jerseys are hung. You go, oh no. And what he did is he put eight pucks on the ice for the eight goals. And he had us do eights. So he only skates in an eight. And the entire team. And if anybody touched any of those pucks, we had half an hour to that skate. So guys were jumping all over all over the place just to make sure they don't touch the puck at all. And just punishment. You know, he was very intense. And um, <clears throat> he wanted to win. He knew the game very well. He just, he just he didn't, have the, he didn't have the players to do it. Gotcha. Do you think he'll ever end up with an organization in the NHL? Uh, no, I don't believe so. Um, I, steady job. <laughs> yeah, he's, got, he's a good color guy. So that's why I was just uh, – I know the Montreal Canadiens were talking about having him as the GM at one point there. He was in the, he was in the talks about it. So. Yeah, he, he knows the game well. I think he's got a good gig. I, I yeah, think, I think, no, for I think sure. he does well where he's at. I mean, you know, there's some people on social media that don't really like him as much, but I think, I think he does a good job altogether. Oh, definitely. No, he's very knowledgeable for sure. Um, so I started the podcast originally to shed the light on some of the guys that played in the minor leagues and busted their hump down there because they don't get uh, as much recognition sometimes. Now is the perfect opportunity to do that. So uh, we can all go on YouTube after and check out these guys. So uh, I got you to come on to give me your top 10 enforcers for the ECHL while you were playing. I guess we'll, uh, we'll get right into it and start with your number 10. Okay, my number 10, which I mentioned him before, and, and, you know, some of the reasons I'd like to remind that to the listeners, too, is it's, it's only during my 10-year period, and some of these guys I might have fought myself, which, you know, might my, my help with the list, but Brent Henley, about, a guy about 6'4", 6'5", he played for Charleston, uh, South Carolina Stingrays at the time, and uh, I ended up finding him for one, uh, one time, and, and it's actually the first, first game of the season, and like I said, his arms are so long, I was swinging as hard as I could, and I, I, I would come about a foot from his face, and then he only hit me one time, and I buckled a little bit, and then went to a penalty box, so, uh, but that guy was, uh, he, he fought pretty much anybody we had on our team, and did well, um, some of the guys I'm going to have on that list as well, and uh, so I put, I put him down on my number 10. Did you suffer from that at all? No, no, actually, I didn't get a concussion. It was just, um, he kind of hit me. So, so he's so tall, right? And I'm 6'1". Yeah. So he hit me, like, literally on the forehead, like, then where, the, you know, the hair starts. And I, it, it was just one, and I just kind of buckled yeah. a little bit. My kind of uh, shook a little bit. I, I never went down, 
but then referees the referees came in and we kind of went to penalty box and kind of took me you know a little trouble to get a penalty box yeah, yeah. but i got there um i i think that that fight, that fight happened because you know first game of the year you all hyped up we're at home and uh, i got i kind of got tangled up behind the net with him and i kept trying to push him off to try to you know back check and uh he, he kept he kept bringing me back by pulling my jersey i said all right let's go with a guy like that you got to go on the inside and uh you know, I, I'm, I'm not I'm not a very good fighter at all. So I, <laughs> not always I, easy to do. You get yeah. started in swing and, and, and hope for the best. <laughs> no, for sure. And no, and, and I wasn't necessarily meaning that fight, but did you have any concussions along your, your career? Well, the um, the one concussion I had was from a hip. Okay. And it was a really bad one. Um, uh, I mentioned Dennis Vial before. So when we played Columbia, um, the Inferno, um, th their rink was, uh, was not the regular size. It was unbelievably small. I forgot the dimensions now, but I came across the blue one game. And this was the first season that we had to play with the visors. So yeah. it was seven years in for me. So you got to think I played, I played six years without a visor. Now, next thing you know, they're, they're, they're mandatory to have a visor. It made things different for me. And uh, the last thing I remember is going down the wing and cutting across. And the next memory after that is a uh, hospital. That's crazy. Uh, I was unconscious for four minutes. So it was bad. It was a legal hit. It was sh shoulder to the chin. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I never saw him coming, obviously. And, um, yeah, it was, it was really bad. My wife was pregnant at the time, and it's a pretty funny story behind that. Her dad was listening to the game on the radio in Florence. So yeah. It's only an hour away. And then uh, he, he goes, hey, Christy, he goes, um, uh, no big deal, but uh, Alan's on the ice, not moving right now. And he just kept on talking, like no emotions or nothing. And she started freaking out. She was six months pregnant. And, um, start calling everybody, calling the coach, calling everybody, try to get an update on me and come to find out I was fine. But, um, she was freaked out there for a little while. Oh no, for sure. That, that would scare, uh, any wife. And, uh, I'm not a stranger to the rough stuff. That guy too. <laughs> he had a, he had a good career in the NHL that Dennis Vial did. So, uh, I'm sure he was an experienced hitter too. Oh, he was, I mean, he did five, four years. I mean, he really yeah. did his job well. And, uh, you know, I ended up fighting him in a preseason game once, um, defending one of my teammates again and uh i literally just grabbed his arm and held that you know held for my life and okay. uh i kind of said something to him and you know in in a thing of like uh you're not really that tough you really played in the nhl something like that in his ear and man did he get mad he started trying to swing but i, I had his arm tight and it was kind of pretty much just a tie <laughs> oh there you go i'll take a tie number nine mark tardiff French Canadian um, played for Charleston as well. Here we go. See, we played Charleston so much. You're probably gonna have three, four guys on that same list. But yeah. he was a left winger, really, really tough, but could also play. Um, he had he had a tons of good fights with uh, Brown Gowdy of our team at the time. Uh, we had Jan Vadraska. We had uh, a guy named Spiziak. Uh We had a ton over the years. I ended up fighting him uh, on that big rivalry that we had, and I can see him as my number nine on my list for for what I've seen though during those ten years. Okay. Yep. Right on. Uh, so uh, who's uh, your number eight? Jerome Boom Boom Bouchard. Yeah, and that's a guy that you mentioned to me last time. Uh, <laughs> last time you were on the podcast. Yeah, he uh, he played in the Central League and uh, East Coast Hockey League as well uh, for a ton of years and ended up coaching. Um, he, he, he played for Columbus um, in Georgia, and he ended up coaching them as well in the SPHL. Um, he was, you know, it's, you're looking at a guy who's about six foot, uh, would get 400 and some penalty minutes and 25 goals. So it's a guy that could play but would fight literally anyone. 
Um, and he was good at it too because you, you, you can't rack up that much penalty minutes without doing something right. So um, I end up in a tilt with him as well, um, trying to help my buddy Danny Bousquet again. And uh, I remember hitting him in the face pretty square, and he kind of turned around and smirked. I was like, oh, I'm in big trouble here. <laughs> if a guy can smirk after I swing, which I thought was a good hit, um, yeah. Uh, it, it put me down. Uh, that's why I put him down as my number eight. And some of the, these guys that you're mentioning on your list, like if, I, I know that you mentioned you had, taught, you had played hockey with uh, uh, one of your old uh, rivals, but uh, like, have you, uh, I guess, talked to some of these guys after your career? Some of them I ran into. You know, Trevor Gillies uh, lives in Augusta. Okay. Uh, Augusta is only like an hour from Lexington where I live. Um, so he's actually, he's actually showed up in men's league here at our, at our rink before. That's got to be scary. Yeah, he's um, yeah, he's a scary fella. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't change much from off the ice to on the ice. I mean, uh, uh, no, I'm sorry, not to, to to men's league to NHL. I don't think he he acts much differently. So you could oh, see that yeah. in the that'd be pretty scary. Yeah, yeah. I played pickup hockey with a couple of guys that have that mentality, but they're not as tough as Trevor Gilly, so it's not as scary. <laughs> yeah well most of the guys and, and you'll see my my number one on my list actually uh lives in lexington as well um he's a good friend of mine and we play men's league all the time and you know there's really in the a league there's really nothing happening everybody yeah. knows their everybody knows who's who and you know you just play hard and that's it you know nothing really will happen it's just when you get down to the b league and that kind of stuff and then some guys that just cannot uh they, they can't turn off the light you know it's yeah. just they play one way and that's it yeah, like for me, like when I play um, like in a men's league, like you're talking about, um, I, I take it pretty seriously. But if I go play pickup where it's just a bunch of organized guy, I know how to turn it down quite a bit. I don't know if you're the same way. Yeah, I mean, you, you just, you know, you got to go to work the next day. So. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> uh, you know, yeah. just to fight for your I mean, there's always, you know, here and there. And, and I play a lot of tournaments too. And you know, yeah. here and there, you'll see some guy that just – you know, thinks that's his NHL or whatever, and you yeah. just got to straighten them out sometimes. But, you know, tell them, hey, listen, man, just just keep it down a little bit. Like, <laughs> if we're going to turn it on, it's going to get ugly, so. Oh, know. yeah, like, I was, like, in, up, like in Cornwall, like, we used to have a men's, we don't have one anymore, which is kind of crappy for, for me because I like that competitive edge and stuff like that. But uh, I find it's when it's tournaments for some reason. There's always people acting like jackasses because uh, that trophy, like you said, hey, it's their Stanley Cup, so. That's right, that's right. Yeah. So uh, who do you have as your number seven? Uh, my number seven was actually, <clears throat> unfortunately, my, my first pro fight. Um, okay. A guy named Roger Maxwell. Yeah, uh, it's, it's another name that I've heard, but I, I'd have to look him up. Yeah, big, big black guy, about 6'4", 230. Um, just, a, just a big old mean guy. I mean, this is a guy that would get over four or 500 pims every single season. Um, I was in Baton Rouge in training camp at the time, and we were playing them uh, Mississippi Seawolves. We were playing them as a preseason game, and uh, he ended up kneeing our top guy, Don Parsons. I don't know if you've heard the name before. Uh, goal scorer, uh, hey. unbelievable goal scorer. Uh, you need him right in front of me, and, you know, we know the rule. You know, you got to protect a teammate. And, For sure. Uh, he beat the living dog crap out of me. Um, but I got respect from my teammates and actually yeah. got respect from him after because we end up lining up next to each other after, you know, um, I mean, m many times after that because the Seawolves, we played them quite a bit. And uh, he's never, ever, ever, like, touched me, tried to hit me, did anything to me. He's just kind of, you know, kind of got a respect of, you know what? 
you threw him down. I mean, you got your ass beat, but you threw him down. So um, that's that's for that for number seven. Right on. And he would have been about what your age at that at that time that you guys had that fight. I believe so. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'm looking at him up. I'm looking at him up right now. There, he's uh, six foot three, so uh, not a small guy. No, he's huge. Yeah, he played. Uh, he played quite a bit of games in the AHL too. So I guess his uh, says a bit about yeah, how tough he was. Played Quebec League too. So that's senior league as well. Yeah, yeah, he ended up there at the end. I think. Eh? Yeah. Um. So uh, number six, we're uh, getting down to the nitty gritty there soon. Mitch Fritz. You heard that guy? Um, For sure. I think he's six seven. I could be wrong, but I believe he's that tall. Um, yeah. And he felt that tall when I I ended up fighting him as well. A uh, game at home. Uh, but what I learned from Brent Henley at, you know, I did different with Mitch. Um, I didn't give him a chance to actually even throw. He happened to, um, he cut one of our guys, his name, Mike Torney. He cut his ear open with his stick. I mean, just a kind of a dirty play a little bit. Yeah. I don't know if it meant to or not, but I just dropped and just start going at it. So I, I could call that one about a tie because I don't think I give him a chance to even start throwing. Um, but he was a tough, I mean, he was a tough customer. Every game we played, especially in their building, um, and he fought, like I said before, he, he fought all the guys on our team, uh, all the top guys that we had, and we had, we had a bunch over the years. Yeah. Uh, and he wasn't scared of anybody, and I don't remember him really losing any fights, and shoot, he ended up making an NHL, so he, might, he must have done something right. No, for sure, and like I, I, was, I just had a guy on for my top 10 uh, New York Islanders Enforcers episode, uh, episode 38-39, and, um, you know, he, we talked about him in the uh, honorable mentions because I think he only played 10 games with the Islanders, but, uh, or, I mean, he had 10 fights with the Islanders, but very active, you know, like he fought all the, the big names. Uh, and I, I told you last time that I had saw him at a, a CFL game and a pretty easy guy to pick out of the crowd, uh, as you mentioned, because he's uh, <laughs> definitely a huge boy and uh, with the orange hair there. So that's right. That's right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, and uh, actually, uh, I remember getting in some fights with uh, some lefties before, and then you get back to the bench like, "Hey, can fucking anybody on the team tell me he's a lefty? Uh, like any of these guys <laughs> that you're, yeah, like any any of these these guys that you're mentioning on your list so far, were, were any of them lefties as well? Uh, Henley was righty, Mark was righty, Jerome was righty, uh, Roger Maxwell. It was all right on me anyway. All righties, yeah, okay, sounds good. No, I know it's, sometimes it seems like they have the advantage because you don't see it coming, right? Yeah, I, 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 when, you, when you get down to my top five, uh, those are the guys that throw both. Yeah, uh, right on. Both as good because that's, you know, it, when you see the, the top guys in the league, you know, from Probert on to Domi, to, yeah. they throw both. I mean, uh, Domi is mostly left, yeah. uh, but he can throw right as, as, as good. And Probert can throw from anywhere. I mean, he was, he was by far the king. So Go if you're going to fight, if you want to fight the top guys, uh, you know, over the years, you, you better be able to throw both. And that's something that I could not, I, I can't throw left for save my life so. no I mean either it looks kind of funny when I when I try one guy though that you know in the NHL like when you make a top 10 list because I've I listen to fourth line voice a lot and uh, one guy that's always in the top 10 is Dave Brown which he's a guy that kind of just threw with his right and there's not many like that well it, it, uh, well here's another one for you Tony Twist I mean Tony Twist threw so hard right that he didn't yeah. need to go left yeah exactly he, it, it, it was such bombs, and I was in uh, in camp with St. Louis in '96, '97. Yeah, and was there? I didn't see him fight in camp because I, I I believe he was told not to unless he really had to. Yeah. Uh, but I saw him in a preseason game, uh, which we didn't suit we didn't suit up, and uh, 
oh my god like it's when you see that live it's like wow i, I wouldn't want to get hit with any of those no oh, no it's scary <laughs> just throw the absolutely friggin' cinder blocks it's, yeah no it's it's uh, right. it's something else so uh down to the top five uh so who do you have as your number five cam brown cam as a, a guy playing the east coast like seems like for 20 years also a coach uh as well uh but cam was kind of a guy um you know, kind of took me a little bit under his wing when I, when I was a rookie uh, in Baton Rouge. Uh, we played together for a year and a half, and then I ended up playing against him when he played for Gwinnett uh, and Baton Rouge as well because, my, yeah, my, my first year in Florence, we ended up playing them in the first round of playoffs. And uh, Cam, again, was, uh, you know, I don't even know if he was 200 pounds, six foot to six one. Okay. Uh, but could throw both hands really well, was very technical. And could fight anybody, but and, and it's a guy that can also rack up points. I mean, he's had to, over um, I think it's three season over 20 goals. Um, okay, yeah, you know, if you do 20 goals and get you know 250, 300 pims, I mean, you're a player, you know, yeah. Uh, so I, I got him in my top five. He, he might even be a little maybe further down than that, but he's definitely in the top five in my book. And and uh, played for, like I said, played for a long time. I don't, I don't remember seeing him losing a fight or getting cut or anything. Yeah, and he was, uh, like, even uh, in his junior career, like, he's got 75 points in uh, 68 games. So, uh, he was a player, too, for sure, like you said. Yeah, so who do you have as number four? Uh, number four is a friend of mine. We actually played uh, together for a few years. Um, and, and you'll see that on my list, too. You know, if you see a guy fight, you know, 15, 20 times, you, it's easier to rate him than, than, you know, other guys that you see once here and there. Uh, but it's Jan Vedraska. Okay. He's got back yeah he's actually he still lives in florence uh today uh in south carolina and uh we got to see each other here and there but jan played five years in the ihl in the american league and also played uh, i believe it's another five years in the coast um but he was such a smart fighter um he's about you know six one or so 220 uh great stay-at-home defenseman but he was just such a i was amazed by how smart of a fighter he was um, he was the one that would, you know, bring your, your right shoulder with his right arm and, sw and swing with his left and then switch right back and doing the other way. Um, and again, that's another guy I haven't seen lost a fight. Yeah. And when you say that, it kind of reminds me of, uh, I know, uh, Brashear gets a lot of heat, uh, for his fighting style. It seemed like he hugged a lot, but yeah. he had a technique that nobody can get around. Like he would like pull and punch you at the same time where, you were always off balance. It's it's very very frustrating. Yeah, um, uh, you know, because because by the time by the time the guy figured out what's happening and he's trying to get a hold of something, he's already switched. So you know, when you already got three four in the face, it's tough to come back. Not, not many guys can come back from that, other than really the like the kosher and, and the pro bird of the days. Um, so a lot of these guys can't come back from that. No, for sure. And uh, so number three, Trevor Gillies. <laughs> <laughs> I had to put him on that list. Uh, he played for Augusta Lynx um, against us for a long time. And uh, he would just look for fights. I mean, he, that's all he wanted to do. He was, um, <clears throat> at that time, which he ended up playing in the NHL, so I'm sure his game got uh, way better. Um, but he wasn't a very good defenseman at the time. If I saw him in front of me, that's, that's who I was going around to. Yeah. Uh, to score a goal. Um, so, but he was a scary fella, and, and he let you know it. I'm talking warm-up. Uh, off the bench during the game after the game he was he was a scary cat 
Yeah, and he, he came back to the ECHL actually at the end of his career as well. Yeah, in South Carolina Stingrays. Yep, yeah. yep. And yeah, uh, he, I, got, I got some video from that. I got friends of mine that went to see a game and sent me a video of it. And, whew, I can, I can imagine those young, those young guys try to go after him. And I can nah, no, no kidding. Yeah. <laughs> Because I, I played in a few games in the Federal Hockey League and, like, the toughest guy that was just cleaning everybody's clocks, his name was Brandon Blair. And, uh, okay. <laughs> yeah, he moved up to, like, like not many guys move up in the Federal Hockey League to leagues like the ECHL and stuff like that, but he was one of them. And I think due in part to his, his toughness. And, uh, yeah, they had – it might be the videos, actually, that you're talking about. He had two goals with Trevor Gillies. And, I, know, I know exactly what you're talking about. I, I saw that video. That's exactly yeah. the same you're talking about when they fought twice. Yep. Yeah, you don't want to get a guy like that mad. So, like, I'm actually scared now getting to your uh, top two and your top one because if anybody uh, – well, if anybody's tough like Trevor Gillies, they're, they're, they're tough customers. So, who do you have as your number two? Uh, number two was kind of a, uh, an entertainer quite a bit. And, and his size wasn't is, 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 is the best thing. It's Trevor Sand. Okay. Trevor Sand has been all over East Coast Hockey League, mostly in Richmond. Uh, but that guy was probably, if I had to guess, five eight five nine, okay, and would do would do as best as anybody on that list. He had one of the famous fight against um, I can't think of his name now. It was Toledo versus Richmond, but they going toe to toe on lefty for about two full minutes. It's unbelievable. But that guy will not go down. I mean, he could get hit. He will never go down. Um, he was an impressive player, scary, and he was not scared anyone i mean that was that's by far you know it's probably the scariest smaller guy that i've ever seen usually yeah. most of the guys on this list are you know six one six two six four yeah and fritz is six seven well that guy's five eight and he would look at fritz and say let's go that's crazy yeah because i see i i got hockey db pulled up right here and like you said it's, it says five nine but we all know in the hockey world sometimes they uh, they give you a couple inches so <laughs> yeah yeah he was a he was a you could say an ent entertainer yeah, um, he actually wasn't a bad of a player. He actually had decent hands. Okay, uh, but obviously, you know, you spend that much time in the penalty box, you don't get to show your hands much. But he, uh, he was actually not a bad player at all. <laughs> so uh, down to your top top enforcer for uh, the years that you were there in the ECHL. So number one. Well, this guy here I know well. Um, he's a good friend of mine. Uh, I've seen him fight a lot, and I've seen him destroy people. And what I've heard from other players because he played with. Uh, what I heard from other players about his, his first few years, which I wasn't with him, um, it, it was amazing. And, and when he went to Edmonton training camp, he also destroyed everybody there. I was surprised that he actually didn't make the team. But his name is Dan Fernell. Hey. Dan actually didn't play that long. Um, I think he only played seven years, maybe eight. But he was a smart fighter, and he was the one that the other guys try to avoid. So they'll fight maybe the second guy or third guy on the list, and they try to stay away from Dan because he was a really smart fighter. Yep. And control both hands as good. Um, he was a lean guy, tall, with long arms. And I, I, this till this day, I haven't seen uh, lose a fight. How do you spell his last name so I can check him out later? F O U R N E L. N E L. He's from um, he's from a real small town, a real small town right on the border of uh, Quebec and uh, Ontario, but on the Ontario side. Uh, Gerald or Geraldton, something like that. Okay. Have you ever heard of that? It's a real small town right on the border, but on the Ontario side. Right on. Definitely stuff I'm going to check out. 
I was just going to ask you, like some of these guys on your list, like you said, you played with them. How did you find they were off the ice? Like were they, just, were, they, were they just one of the boys? Like they could turn it off whenever they were hanging out with oh, the yeah, boys? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Gill Gillies, maybe not so much. But all the other guys, they're just great guys. I mean, yeah. you know, you would never know. Because when my wife, you know, my, me and my wife first got together, funny story on that. We got, we got into, uh, I think it was an all-star game or a meeting or something. And uh, Kurt Dobbinspeck, which was a goalie for Charleston, and, you know, he was a big, mouthy guy, even though yeah. he was a goalie. And uh, he was always involved in, you know, he ended up fighting our goalie at one point. And, uh, but anyway, she met him. She says, why is he so nice? I go, what do you mean? I, I go, you've seen him on the ice? I go, I understand that. But I said, you've seen me on the ice? I mean, I, you know, th these guys get off and it's, it's over. I mean, it's, yeah. it, you had guys get, you know, in hockey, that's what's great about it. Guys can, you know, drop the gloves in the heat or moment or something. And after the game, they're having a beer, you know, talking about it. And, yeah. uh, and that was the beauty of it. Most of these guys are just great guys, great people. And, um, you know, people that I still talk to today. For sure. So I had a few more names here at uh, Honorable Mentions if you want to. No, yeah, I'd, I'd love to hear it for sure. Brian Gowdy is a guy that I played with too. Could have made the top ten. Uh, Dan Kopech played in Augusta. Yeah, I've heard of him. Eric No. Uh, Eric No was a third rounder by the Boston Bruins. Ended up not making it, but a French guy. Actually, a really good player, too, but a really good two-hand guy. Um, Louis Bedard. Yeah, of course. Uh, Nate Kaiser. Nate Kaiser played for Charleston. Uh, unbelievably tough. He's huge. I think he does uh, MMA fighting now. Jared Bednar coaches uh, Colorado Avalanche. Real tough, too. But when I played against him, it was towards the end of his career. Yeah. So I didn't see him fight as much. And really, you know, nobody really wanted to fight with him. So, you know, by not seeing him as much, I couldn't really, even though I know he's tough, I just couldn't put him in my top 10 yeah um dennis vial but again dennis same thing dennis vial was at the end of his career uh jason hamilton uh which me and him used to do camps together in the summer because we had the same agent kind of yeah. a crazy guy, a little bit he had some good fights in the uh the lnh too he had a good uh stint in the lnh oh yeah i knew i knew he, i knew he would end up in there yeah <laughs> Charles Paquette. Charles actually didn't play that much because he ended up taking over uh, his, his father's farm when his father passed in Quebec. But he was probably the strongest guys I ever met in my life. He was he, farm boy strong, you know. Yeah. And then uh, last one, L. P. Charbonneau. I think he. I think he turned around in the Quebec leagues too. Yep. Yep. And they, 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 uh, a lot of these guys in this list end up there. <laughs> I think he. I think he was quite the entertainer as well. He was. He was. When I when when I played against him, he was in Jacksonville. Um, and he got a ton of tilt too, uh, but we didn't play Jacksonville as much during those, those years. So right on, and, and uh, yeah, like thanks again for playing along. And uh, you were talking about Trevor uh, Gillies. You said you would go to his side and go around him. I think oddly enough, I think he became a uh, a forward when he played in the NHL. Yeah, you know what? I think you're right. Um, I know he played. It's funny he played for Jack because Jack used to coach against him. So you know, yeah. there might have been something there. Uh, but I mean, you couldn't put him on defense. There's just no way. I mean, no, it doesn't matter sure. how much he can slash. He, you know, he's not going to stop those guys in the NHL for sure. He, he couldn't stop us back then. So, and if you go <laughs> see, like, for people listening, um, if you just want to see some crazy uh, Trevor Gillies stuff, if you go watch, uh, I've had Joe Lazito on my podcast a few times, but that Islanders versus Pittsburgh yeah, rivalry—I forget which year it was. That was awesome. That's when the goalies fought, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you, yeah. you had DiPietro, I think, got knocked out there in the, in one game. That's right. Yeah. One, one, I think. I think yeah, it was but John, you, the goalie, I think, for Pittsburgh. Yeah, he was he was tough. Oh yeah, yeah. Johnson was really tough. Yeah, and you had uh, Gillies just screaming like a maniac on the sideline. So, uh, <laughs> frick, 
It's, he just there. He just looks like a friggin' animal, and that's I think that's his nickname too. So I could see I, that. <laughs> yeah. Um. But yeah. About about your hockey team. So uh, sorry if I'm not as familiar, but the name of your team is the Gamecock. Gamecocks. Yep. Okay, the Gamecocks. Okay. Like, how do you think that uh, the coaches that you've had like have impacted your coaching? Like, what what do you find is the best strategy to uh, get your guys going? A lot of it, I think. I think your guys got to know that you got their back, but you can't. You get. You also got to push them, you know. But you also got to reward them if 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 they've done well. Um, I think I. I think I'm. I'm. I'm really good at, at finding which uh, uh, button to push for yeah. each people because everybody's different. And then in today's world with this new generation, you know, you, you got to act slightly different. You can't do the, you know, Pierre Maguire and and uh, uh, the Hammer Schultz type of strategy. You know, when you just scream at guys and, and, you know, kind of get in their face, you know, some guys that will work, but they're rare in the world today. So you just got to find other strategy. And, and like I said, pushing the right buttons at the right time, um, but reward them if they do well. I um, mean, you, know, you know, everybody wants a good tap on the back once in a while. And, and I, I think my guys, we had a really good season last year. We made nationals and uh, I believe they know I got their back, but they know that, I, you know, if you don't produce, I'm, you know, I'm going to need to kick you in the butt a little bit. So, um, I think they, they, they know the what's needed of them is what needed to do. And uh, I think I learned a lot of that from, from Jack mostly, um, Davis Payne as well. Um, just kind of how to handle each person. Yeah. And, you know, my job day to day is in sales and I'm in management. So, you know, I got to manage five salesmen. So, you know, you got to find a way to, you know, make them do their job well. Um, but each people is so different that, you know, you got to change your strategy sometimes. Congratulations on making it to nationals. Um, was last season like a bit of a wash because of the COVID, or did everything finish before? We did everything but nationals. So okay. we uh, we end up winning uh, regionals uh, to to get our bid to go. And then I was I was kind of trying to study the uh, <clears throat> we're going to play Dartmouth, uh, Hope College, and Nebraska University mm-hmm. in our, our in our pool. And I was you know in, in the midst of you know watching the videos and see how they do and blah 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 and all that getting ready for it and that's when the announcement came and you know it, it, you know it was really bad they end up sending us a banner anyway that's you know kind of show that we made it to nationals because yeah. for this organization they never did so 20 years is the first time so we'll uh, we'll hang that banner up hopefully this season if there's one and yeah. if not the following season yeah that's that's awesome yeah i guess it would be kind of crappy for the guys that it's their their last season with the team right well especially hell man especially i had a 50 year senior so you know, he went back to, to law and uh, he said, coach, you know, I'm, I'm eligible for one more year. So I'm going to play one more year. He knew what kind of team we're going to have. And, yeah. and uh, this whole thing happened. Now, he, you know, he's done. <laughs> now this is it. So uh, it's really, really sad. Um, I had three seniors last year. And, you know, I talked to all three of them and, you know, tell them how sorry I was and really wish they could have had an experience. Because two, two of the guys were locals as well. Okay. Uh, the parents were from Canada. One from Buffalo, one's from Canada. They moved down here. And, um, you know, they, they learned their hockey here, which is, you know, in the South, which is surprising, but these guys were good. And uh, it, it would have been, been great for them to have that experience. But altogether, it was a really good season. We only lost two games all season. So um, yeah, it was a great, 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 great year. Yeah, well, I got tons more questions to ask you about coaching, uh, but uh, maybe uh, we can get you on for another podcast. I always enjoy talking to you. Um, would you like to uh, get into the interrogation? I want to put you through the ringer again. Let's All right. It. First question: Vere or Fedorov? 
That's, that's a tough one. Um, I think Bure is better, but I think you're going to win with Fedorov more often. So Fedorov. Favorite Amizer Bush product? Budweiser. Regular Budweiser. That's my go-to as well. Uh, <laughs> best golf course you've played? Uh, it's a play, it's called Old Memorial. It's down in Tampa, Florida. Very, very exclusive. Um, I was lucky enough that I played in a men's league guy that was a golf pro that knew the golf pro of that place. And we happened to be in Tampa. And uh, that was an amazing experience. Talk about a pristine golf course. Just, just gorgeous. Um, the only problem, you had 180 traps. Trap. So that's, uh, and I'm not very good at saying trap. I could say even really bad. So that was a lot for me to, to handle, but um, it was such a great, we had a caddy and the whole thing. I mean, it was, it was a great, great experience. Yeah, always a good feeling like a pro. What's your uh, favorite Disney movie? Probably Shrek. I like my privacy. You know, I do too. That's another thing we have in common. Like, I hate it when you got somebody in your face, you're trying to give them a hint and they won't leave. And then there's that big awkward silence, you know. Can I stay with you? Uh, what? Love Shrek movies. Yeah. Who's your favorite stand-up comic? After Bill Cosby, of course. <laughs> uh, actually, it would be a French guy, uh, Daniel Lemire. Okay, uh, right on. Yep, yeah, Daniel Lemire. I actually saw him in concert, um, what concert, but in a show um, when I was 19, I believe. Um, yeah, it was, it was awesome. It was in Montreal. That's awesome. No, I, I'm a big fan of the French comedians. Or I'm a big Mike Ward fan, so I'll have to check him out. You, you know, Mike Ward uh, did a bunch of shows in my hometown. Oh, yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, I saw him a few times. This is when he was first coming up. Yeah, he's uh, he's a pretty funny guy. We we talked after the show a few times, too. My buddy, uh, Mark, from down there knew him well. Lucky. Yeah, I'm a huge fan of his. Like, in the media, they tried to make it look like I hate disabled people. I fucking love disabled people. I have a bunch of friends that are in wheelchairs because I I, I drink and drive and they don't wear seatbelts. So I get... I fucking... I know a bunch of them. <laughs> no, but I, even, even deaf people, like I don't have deaf friends. I wish I did, but whenever I call them, they don't pick up. So it's hard, it's hard to fuck. Yeah, what's your favorite go-to dance move at weddings? Oh man, well, for me, for me to, uh, to dance, I gotta have quite a bit of cocktails in. <laughs> so usually oh, I have my tie around my forehead and, uh, and just whatever comes along, cause I'm not a very good dancer. <laughs> I like that answer. Kovalev or Koivu? God knows you got tough questions. Um, <laughs> I know you're a Habs fan, so. Kovalev, I would have to say Kovalev because, man, but you'll win more with Koivu. But Kovalev, he's got the sickest hands in the world. I mean, that's yeah. just disgusting, the hands that guy has. I don't know if you've ever seen his video that he put together. Um, it's on good old VHS that my godmother gave me years ago. From the red, center red line, he shoots 10 pucks on top of the net. Without a problem, they all land on top of the net. Yeah, it's, that's it's crazy. Disgusting. Yeah. So it's been a great two-game series for the Canadians against the Maple Leafs. Kovalev got a high stick, and the play goes right on. Nobody saw it. Now he plays the puck, turns back, so he's okay along the line, and comes to the net. And he ran into Tucker, and Tucker gets up and comes after him, and Tucker is ripping the right hands in. But Kovalev. Pretended to lose the puck, and when Tucker looked down, he roared into him and planted a big elbow. And then Tucker went right after him, so the game isn't over, and neither are the fights. I remember seeing videos of him back in the day, and like the players would play a keep away, and he was playing against like four four Montreal Canadiens players. <laughs> I could see that. 
Yeah, just it's making them look like kids. <laughs> I, you know, since I want to win, since I'm, I'm a coach, um, I think you'll win more with Corey even though Kovalev's got sickest hands in the world. I completely understand. And uh, like you said, you're a coach. So uh, who, in your opinion, was the best coach for the Montreal Canadiens after Jacques Demers? Oh, wow. You just I mean, I mean, like after, after Jacques Demers <laughs> coached. Definitely Mario Tremblay is not. Yeah. <laughs> loudly, not. Yeah. <laughs> he, he screwed the organization bad. I like Claude Julien. I really do. And he coached against me in juniors as well, so I know him well. Yeah, I would say Claude Julien. That's a, a really good answer. I was going to say the same thing. And uh, with the roster that you got currently, uh, you said you guys made it to Nationals uh, last year, um, or last season, sorry. What do you, how do you think your team's going to fare uh, next season if the uh, well, season happens? Well, I had, had, I had 14 freshmen. So we're, we're going to be unbelievable again. I mean, right you know, we're losing three seniors, but our core guys, like my top scorers and all that, we're all freshmen. Okay. So I just hope that there is a season so we, you know, we can't waste a year. But then again, they might change it and, and give, the, give those students a chance to play, you know, kind of a fifth year if, uh, you know, if it's his complete, right, it's complete write-off. Yeah. Uh, but a lot of rumors right now that we'll start in January. That's um, good. So, it, you know, and then it would push Nationals to April, which are in Boston, Massachusetts this year. Mm-hmm. Um, but really the bar, the bar for us now is Nationals. If we don't make it Nationals, we, you know, I don't know how to fare to Nationals because we've never been. You know, I, I believe we'll go again. I mean, you know, of course, injuries and, you know, some, sometimes you, you got players that quit because they can't handle school and hockey. Yeah. Uh, so things like this can happen. But I got a ton of uh, emails already from players that will try out that some of these guys got great stats. So it, it makes my job difficult, which is a good thing. Like last season, we had over 60 players in, in tryouts. And, you know, I had to somehow cut that down to 25. It was tough. Um, yeah. But uh, I think we're going to be great again this year. That's awesome. I'm going to have a Budweiser to that. And, uh, you, you know, we'll, uh, I'd like to catch up again maybe when the, the season restarts and you can, uh, you know, we, we, we could talk about your team and, uh, you know, some, some good prospects and everything else. Yeah, as soon as I know more, I'll pass it along. If uh, uh, USA Hockey hasn't said anything yet, then ACHA or the, uh, the league that we're in, the SECHC, they also haven't said a word yet. But we do have a conference call tonight at 8. Uh, so hopefully I know more tonight. Right on. All right, well, good luck with that. And I hope you enjoy the rest of your Sunday. All right, buddy, you too. Hey, Thanks take a lot. Care.